Welcome to the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast with Philip Washington Jr. Today, Philip talks about a 2022 investment recap. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. All right, we are back with another episode of Wealth Building Made Simple. It's December, the last month of the year, but apparently I just learned from Steve that December, the name D, he he, he explained it better, but it actually used to be the 10th month of the year, and then then the Romans added like August and July in, in, in reference to, or in honor of, uh, what was it, Steve? I'm messing it up. Julius Caesar and Augustus, and Augustus Caesar and just messed everything up, right? So uh, thanks. Thanks, um, Roman brethren from a different time zone for messing up <laughs> for messing up the months of the year. All righty. Today we are having a 2022 investment recap or overview or whatever you want to call it. Um, just to, you know, you look at the year, the year in review, right? I know December is a, uh, typically a good month for the market. And so these, this, this recap, uh, you know, may get redone again in January, depending on how December goes. But I don't, I think net net, we're going to be pretty directionally accurate. Um, so, it, so these numbers are like ballpark. I did them yesterday, but the S and P 500 for the year was roughly down 15%. The NASDAQ was down about 27%. Bonds were down 14%. uh, And Bitcoin was down 55%. And nothing was really safe, right? Crude oil was really the only thing that was was up, and it was up about 16%. And so the first thing is like, I like to use those benchmarks because those benchmarks give me insights to different parts of the economy. Right? S&P represents uh, America, uh, the part of the industrial economy slash a little bit of tech in there, uh, but the, uh, the diversified economy and, 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 and how it's doing uh, as a whole. Uh, NASDAQ is the economy of the future, diversified. Uh, bonds, you know, b- Bonds are going to give you an indicator of uh, really where we are in the debt cycle, and I'll explain that. Um, they 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 typically go counter to risk assets, but this year when you have uh, interest rates raising, you know that creates a situation. And then Bitcoin is the index that I use for uh, really the future, future right, the future of of what money. Uh, uh, is growing to be, and so, so why was everything down? Fed tightening, or the Fed, the Fed or the central bank, who has a somewhat uh, big impact on money, especially when they're tightening, um, raise rates. And why were they doing that? Well, they were afraid of inflation uh, getting out of control, right? 
what does that really mean? Well, if inflation gets out of control, uh, prices, you know, get out of control. And when prices get out of control, people can't afford things. People get upset. There's social unrest. There's all kind of tension, hostility, negative energy that society, politicians, rightfully don't want to deal with. Um, what's the bigger picture? Well, the bigger picture is uh, ideas die, and economies are ideas. And the idea that's dying is the industrial economy, right? It, you know, economies typically last 100 or so years. Right before the industrial economy, we had the farming economy. Um, and, uh, and so now we have the digital economy. And what tends to happen is like you can you can measure it by I, I call it like when imagination leaves the economy when you have a bunch of when, when an economy basically is only making money for people that are uh, on the finance side by them loading up industries and a bunch of debt and making money off that that's a that image has been happening for like the last 30 40 years uh, for the industrial economy, right? Then you know, okay, uh, the juices is, is all gone. It doesn't take imagination to do math, right? Math is, you know, uh, not a very math just reveals truth, but it's not really. It's not using to imagine. You're not using imagination to create anything, and so the creativity from the industrial economy is gone. It didn't leave the world. The imagination went to the digital space where all the kids went, and. That's what's happening. So what options, from my perspective, do the people around the world that are trying to manage the economy do? Um, they can try to cheat death, uh, but that's, that's never really worked in the past. Um, the, prices, the prices want to, the, the prices of the inflated industrial economy, they got inflated through debt. So the prices are not real. They want to fall. They want to fall to levels that are that are relevant to that economy in today's marketplace, which is not super relevant for the producers of this generation, right? So here's a different way to say it. You have different producers from different generations, and at any given time, you have four or five generations you know, on the planet. And so each generation brings a new economy, uh, and so the 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 big producers of the digital of of what's creating the future are the younger generations because by definition they are the future. And um, so what I'm saying is like money wants to come out of the old economy, go into a new economy, and that's being fighted. So. What 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 typically happens, and what and, and and how do I see it play it out, and probably even how do I hope it plays out for the sake of uh, uh, managing a tough to manage situation? Um, they just do the best they can to, to to thread the noodle, right? They can they they can uh, not let inflation get too out of control, uh, but also not tighten up money so much that it crashes the whole system to where prices want to go. And by, by the way, because if prices go all the way down, people say, what if prices go all the way down? You know, what, what would prices go all the way down do to the economy? Well, in short, since a lot of lending is built on collateral, 
right? And a lot of collateral is in the prices of publicly traded stocks for the economy. That won't be great. You'd have lots of bankruptcies, layoffs, right? It'd be a lot of pain in the short term, which again will lead to the same thing that high inflation would lead to unrest, all that kind of stuff. So you have a really tight rope that they're walking and with the, with the hope that as the new economy gets built, right, in parallel to the old economy dying, um, you have overall balance, right? I think of it like a well-designed succession plan, you know, a well-designed succession plan where you have the older generation uh, that uh, slowly transitions power over to the newer generation that's gaining experience. It's a process that is... uh, not comfortable for those with a lot of experience because they have to bite their tongue as the new generation makes mistakes and gain experience, but it's required in order for the company to grow in perpetuity, right? To be successful in multi-generations. And so where the where succession plans don't work is when the older generation holds on too tight and then they repel all the new talent because they go to somewhere else and then a company or organization dies because it's full of old ideas and resistant ideas to the future, and that plays out. But a succession plan that works is where they work together, right? The the experienced generation transfers power to the newer generation, and because of that trust, the newer generation accepts the wisdom of the old generation, and you have a continuity of life of the company uh, that allows it to grow and gain and become new and, and evolve with the world, right? Because if you've seen any company that evolves with the world, um, that's what happens. Microsoft is a great uh, example of re, you know revamping itself. Um, that's one thing I love about Steve Jobs that he doesn't get a lot of credit for because Steve Jobs is not a spring chicken, right, when he, when he built back uh, Apple, but he was somebody who was very open to uh, the future and infused that energy into the organization and made Apple, you know, gave Apple another... 50 to 100 years of relevance, you know, from my, from my perspective. And so um, that's what's happening in the world, right? The world is going through a process of change. And as an investor, you know, what you what I think a, a key thing to, this is just if you want to make money or build wealth in general, right? Money and wealth follows the positive perspectives. Always throughout history, that's what it's done. I have no reason to believe that's not what it's going to do in the future. And so you don't need a Harvard MBA degree to, to see where the world is going, right? You can feel it, right? F- listen to ideas and, and and things and watch things that sound very pessimistic. That's an indicator of, I don't really want to go over, you know, I don't really want to listen to that perspective, Right. You want to you want to go where there's lots of optimism, positivity, um, but built on solid principles, right? And that, and that's why I like the analogy of the session plan because, you know, optimism and positivity without wisdom is foolishness, you know. Um, but um, experience with no optimism is like what, what's the, what's the word for it? It's like. The, the vision I have is people who just judge everybody, right? Lots of experience, no optimism. You just judge everything, right? So you want to marry the two, marry optimism with wisdom, 
and then you get a very clear focus of where to put your attention, where the world is going, how to place your time, where to place your resources. Um, and is I mean, it's not... Um, I had somebody say, hey, Philip, you've really been talking less about nerd-type, detail-oriented stuff and more about this fuzzy-wuzzy feeling-type stuff. And I'm like, because that's where the genius is. You know, the the genius is in the time-tested principles. The genius is one thing to intellectually understand what I'm saying, to, to intellectually hear what I'm saying. Like, you can hear my words, but the words are not what I'm communicating. Like, once you feel what I'm saying, your vision gets clear, and then, like, in, investing or making money will become way more simpler, right? Which is the title of the podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So, um, hope this helps until we talk again on Monday. Uh, enjoy your weekend. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.